baby, you know what time it is. Now let's get it started. Are you kidding me? Unreal! While our HBCUs are mostly known for academic rigor, community, they also know how to turn up. Does he have it? Yes, he does! Greetings, salutations. Another episode of Fangs up here, HBCU Digital Network. This is home, home to her student the Black Techies. Obviously, also home of the Fangs Up podcast. And uh, if you feel like me, man, I, I definitely ask for permission. But my brother, <laughs> Earl Hagerson, he's every rattler right now. Caramel. If you have not joined in the petty, I don't know what you've been doing, man. <laughs> it has been fun watching y'all troll Jackson State. Uh, I got a little bit. I didn't get much like some of y'all, uh, just because I I wasn't big on trash talk. I never have been. Uh, I said what I said. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. I just sigh about it. <laughs> um, but it has been hilarious, and it's been fun, giving or letting them get, or watching them get, or fracture what they gave us for two years. <laughs> like I said. Ain't no phone. The Rattlers got to go. And fam, you people are petty. Ooh, we are petty people. Uh, but <laughs> before I get into talking about the hat things, and that's probably my last little bit of like celebrating the petty that has been taking place. Uh, we're going to give a big shout out to HBCU Digital Network. This home, home to Herb Stewart and the Black Techies. Also home to the to HBCU Digital Owns. Thanks up podcast. So uh man, it's been a lot of fun. I ain't gonna lie to you. Um some jokes were funny, some were kind of mean, and some was honestly, should have been talking stuff. Like folks getting blocked left and right. But uh it was all good a week ago. <laughs> but Anywho's, a couple of upcoming FAMU events and activities, FAMU Cross Country, got the TCC Invitational coming up. That's tomorrow. FAMU Golf went up to Michigan, finished in last place in the Michigan State Golf Tournament. Got another tournament coming next week, though. So hoping for some good things coming out of that. Also, volleyball, they're playing right now. So I kind of got my phone in. Ain't gonna lie, waiting to get the Rattlers Plus till next week. Because I see we got a couple games. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I'm kind of waiting until we get the swag play. Like, I want to get into the conference games. I want to be able to see all of that before I get overly upset. I know how I get. And even with family volleyball, I'm one of the ones I'm watching at the edge of my seat. 
because I, I, I'm a diehard rattler. Now, this week, hey, hey, Tampa Bay. Granted, the Bucks may know how to shine, but uh, really, it's family versus USF week. And before we go into that, we're going to talk about some of these offers uh, that family did get. A couple guys, especially from the Franklin County area, local kids there. So, Dre North, 6'2", multi-sport athlete, 2028. What that don't even sound right. Like that's like my daughter's graduating class almost. Like that's crazy. I don't even want to go there. Then you have Trinard Roberts, six foot one eighty, Williston, middle and high school, another athlete. And I missed the Deke Jones, 5'10, 150, Franklin County athlete. Uh Franklin County, 150 pound multi-sport athlete. But he plays a lot of quarterback. I don't see him playing quarterback in college though. Now, this is a growth spurt, but he strikes as one of those guys that could be just an athlete. Like, you could play corner, you could play receiver, but you have an understanding of the game where you can do some things. But fabe has got USF coming up. And just to share, evidently, the band's not coming. So don't get upset. Don't get mad at me. I didn't tell you that they were coming. I didn't promise they were coming. But evidently, the 100's not coming. So um, however you feel about that, not in the athletic department. <laughs> AD Sykes does not pay for the band. She's actually stated such. Um, and I've sat in a couple of meetings where folks asked her like four or five times, was the band coming? And she's like, I don't know. That's not something I deal with. And uh, so the band is not part of the athletic department's budget. Sorry. Um, it's just not. Any of um, So they won't be there. I'm disappointed like some of y'all, but I am doing a little checking to see because like some of y'all, they went to Houston. I think the Pepsi Battle of the Bands pays for that. Could be wrong, but I'm double checking. Like I'm almost for certain I saw somewhere where it stated that they paid for the 100 to come there. We already know OBC, she paid for those bands to be there. So for them to go down to Jacksonville, I mean, Tampa, come out of pocket. Yeah, bro. <laughs> not when, not when it costs a hundred stacks to move the band, and not when it costs about a hundred stacks to fly the football team, and you got another game that you probably have to fly to. Like, you flew to Miami. We know you're flying to Texas. You might try to fly to Jackson so you can go to uh, Mississippi Valley State so that's that's a flight and a bus trip so we, we got to start thinking about economics here y'all we can't just be fans uh, so it is what it is but as far as USF what what do they kind of have what do they don't have the first game was against the University of Western Kentucky and the first thing that stands out is that offense USF off USF's offense, they are fast. Willis Simmons pointed out, others have saying they ran over 90 plays in that game, and that is with the new adjusted clock rules. They're gonna play pretty quick. I love if you didn't see the 2020 club or 220 clubs uh video on YouTube. Willis Simmons compared them to that USF team. 
And I was like, ooh, that's a good comparison. And I'm not going to lie to you. I I just, mm, it's a good comparison. Not a game I want to remember, but it's a great comparison as far as talking about how tempo can affect the team. And that was a good team. I go back and look at that family roster. Marquise Bell, I believe Xavier Smith is on that roster. Bishop Bonnet. Uh, I want to say Rashawn McKay's on the team. So that's a pretty, it's a solid roster. You go back and you look at that year, we had a good record. But it's a good comparison. Now, when you're looking at quarterback-wise, that, that guy's young. And he also had some ball security issues. Like, go back and watch. They do have the extended, it's about an hour and a half, commercial-free version of the football games you can watch on YouTube. I caught the highlights. I did try to watch the game, too, though. Um, man, he, he threw some picks under duress that has you like, he's young. You know, it, and he's, I think he's right here, fresher. You were able to see that he had that. And what kind of sealed the game was a fumble. And the question I'm going to ask, is this another week where FAMU's rush-ins can get penetration on a quarterback? We saw what Anthony Dunn did against Jackson State. Granted, it's Jackson State and their tackles. We, we knew that was a weakness coming in. What is it going to look like against superior talent? But at the same point, what is it going to look like in a get money game scenario where if you can have a good day, that's you stepping up to another level. So that's good on good. It's not where you're you're putting on good film against a bad team. And I'm not saying Jackson's not a good team. I'm saying their tackle struggled. Excuse me. And that was a position that I stated going into the game was a weakness of theirs. And that during the game we saw was a weakness. So in this game, how is USF's line going to play out, especially on the edges? Interior line, I'm not concerned about that. But the other side of that, if they're running at tempo in Tampa, granted, humidity is probably not going to be as bad as it could be. Cramps. Do we see some of their players cramp up? Will we see some of our players cramp up? But USF, USF's offense is going to be run heavy, run dependent, and with a freshman quarterback and an offensive line that gave him some sacks, especially that Western Kentucky game that had you kind of scratch your head. How is that going to hold up? Again, it's not a harsh critique of them. It's just looking at a little bit of film, noticing some things. Now, defensively, they, they, they gave up a bunch of points, but it was a good offense. Like, Western Kentucky's normally, traditionally, an offensive scores. They, they get talent from places like Florida, sadly. They also are able to utilize talent and space. So that's going to be something that can family replicate. Can we do those same things? They also tried to make Western Kentucky one-dimensional, and they kind of did that. Western ran for about 100 and some yards. They still won the game. But some of that is also due to turnovers. I believe USF had, I remember, two. They may have had three turnovers in that game. So that's kind of one of the things you're going to look at. But then the other side, can FAMU's receivers get off the ball? Now, this year's receiving core, we look better than last year. I'm not going to lie. As a group, 
as a collective, I, I think we're better. Now, your top individual, I don't know, man. Xavier was tough. Now, this year, man, as a unit, Amy's receivers are solid. And hopefully, man, it goes healthy. I don't know if he is. Uh, kind of got word that he might not have been at his healthiest. But again, I don't know how, how I don't know how true that is. I can't verify that. But I do want to see can Fami put some of the maybe the larger receivers that we have or that the university has or program has, however you want to word it, against the, against that secondary and cause them to at least make you think that's gonna be a matchup, just like a problem. Because we, we definitely know speed-wise, that yeah. we saw. We also know that when you watch USF, they have some corners that can be physical. If their corners are going to be physical and you can't get off the line of scrimmage, I don't know what to tell you. Well, it makes a difference when you have a big receiver out there and we utilize those tight ends. Like that was definitely something we underutilized. That was something that we underutilized last season. It's just part of the offense at this point. If you come to family, you play tight end, we're not going to throw you the ball 100 times. You may get it once or twice, and you better catch it because you might not see it again. But at the same point, can family establish a run? Like USF, they got some big boys on the defensive line who kind of looked before, looked at their roster, noticed they got a little bit of size. Can we take advantage of that? And can we create an offense that can run the ball? And then within that, can our O-line protect against that D-line? We know that we have depth. And fortunately, week zero was not against an FBS team, meaning we didn't get beat up, we didn't get hurt. In the past, FAMU has had horrible injury luck against FBS teams. Look at UNC last year. That was a cluster. Look at the previous USF game, another cluster. It's just one of those times where we see where when FAMU plays FBS teams, a lot of times we kind of get the short end of the stick when it comes to the injury bug. Hopefully that doesn't happen this week. But again, that's going to be something that hopefully we, we can overcome. Now, one of the ways I'm looking at this, when I look at when I look at film, I try to see tails, but I also try to see what did this team do that we can replicate and what successes that they had can be successes that we can have. The first thing that, and go back and watch USF's coach do his post-game interview where he talks to the press. He talks about the physical nature of Western Kentucky. Okay, Famous not Western Kentucky, I get that. No, we're not the Hilltoppers. But we can't be physical. And one of the things Coach Simmons pointed out at the 220 Club meeting, and it's something I also pointed out, and I also noticed, Famous is very physical on the offensive line. We were doing a great job of moving back Jackson State's defensive linemen. And that's the, I think that's something FAMU can do again. I think in this game, FAMU's probably not going to be able to generate as much space or create as much space on the offensive and defensive line as they did in the Orange Blossom Classic. But it doesn't mean, doesn't mean that the running game is going to be shut down or has to be abandoned. I think this is another game where 
maybe he's going to have to rotate linemen to keep them fresh. And you may want to do that earlier than you did the OBC. Like this week, practice on mixing up the offensive line unit just a little bit so you can build that continuity between different players, but so that you can also keep them fresh and so that they kind of get the understanding that when this guy's next to me, this happens. And I just think as the game goes on, if you rotate offensive linemen on different series, especially if you're going to run the ball and if you're going to focus on running the ball, I think that gives you a little bit of a different advantage. Whereas for me, when you're throwing the ball, it's a lot more about feel. And what is it like when I'm next to this guy? Can I trust this guy? Is he going to be in the proper spacing? Whereas running the ball, drive. Like drive, let's go forward, let's get some yards. I think that's going to be something that, fam, you can possibly do early. But, again, it's going to be something where you're going to have to rotate linemen. You may have to rotate some of your lighter offensive linemen for some of the big guys. And that way you can continuously put pressure on that defensive line. Yes, they're going to be able to rotate guys in and out, but it just allows you to to dictate the pace of the game. I mean, that's going to be huge. One of the things that we struggle with with UNC at times, and especially with UCF, and that UCF team was, they were good. Don't let my wife hear me say that. Because <laughs> I didn't have the greatest experience there, and it wasn't just because we got our butts kicked. But um, – they were really good at moving the ball. And one of the things we struggled with was sustaining drives. This may be one of those games where you purposely slow the game down. You purposely look at the game clock even early before it gets to you being down two or three touchdowns. That's you say, snap the ball slower. Give the defense a break. Because it seems slow and simple at the beginning but 10 seconds here or there 15 seconds here or there that time adds up to where you start looking over and if you get a three and out but you sapped off a minute that's an extra minute they got to rest extra minute they got to recuperate well if all that sudden this turns into a drive and you allow the defense to rest over a few plays now you've kept a offense that likes to move in tempo and likes to move quickly. You've kept them off the field, but you've also thrown off that tempo. I mean, I'm not crazy momentum guy. I, I think sometimes we overutilize the term momentum, whereas in this case, you do get a certain cadence. You do get things going in a rhythm, in a momentum, if you want to say it like that, but more of in a rhythm. You're used to things happening at a certain time, whereas any of I digress. But I think that's something you can do. And as an offense, you're going to have to slow the game down. If you're running 90 plays, injuries, something's going to happen. You have hamstrings. It's it's just it's not going to be the best experience, especially when you got to ride a bus back. That's three hour plus bus ride. You ain't flying to Tampa. So it's just those things like that that you have to consider that you think about that I think family can do. And I think Western Kentucky, they probably didn't do it as much as they could have, but they also were able to get some turnovers. And that's the other thing. You got to take advantage of turnovers. 
when the ball hits you in the hands on defense, man, we need those turnovers. Like, definitely left some turnovers uh, on the field in Miami. Like, we had a good three or four turnovers that we could have had and that we also didn't get. We definitely dropped a pick. But then got to remain disciplined. Like, Coach Simmons mentioned that late in the game. And the other thing that, fam, you can definitely do that Western Kentucky did, have fewer penalties than USF. USF had about 100, I want to say it was 111 yards of penalties against Western Kentucky. Go back and watch the OVC. That first half, damn, he doesn't have a lot of penalties. Now the second half, start smelling yourself a little bit. Get your cologne, you over here like, hmm, okay, polo blue. Yeah, no. The second we start smelling ourselves, you, you start getting penalties. You start getting chirpy with people, getting chippy. And it, people, are, you never see the offender. You always see the person that responds. And that's just kind of how the game goes. So it's, it's just going to be one of those things where in this game against the University of South Florida, he's going to have to be physical. Be physical early, though. But you're all, in being physical, you're also going to have to slow the game down. You can't let USF run 90 plays. It, it, it's, it's, it's a tough ask. And partially, it does go to that scholarship limit. Like, you can argue about the, the two deep and all that stuff. But when you're running 90 plays, your defense is starting to get worn out. And with the defense getting worn out, you, you're starting to run into the, the rear ends of your depth. That's a problem. Like you, you need to be able to keep your defense fresh, slow the game down, be deliberate. It allows you to also scheme up plays. Yes, their defense does get to rest at the same time, but you're trying to protect your defense. Be aggressive, though. Like, show them early that they need to respect Riley. They need to respect Gassett. They need to respect KDOT. Those guys have speed, and you may have to run some different route combinations, which you already kind of run. Like, FAMU runs a lot of routes with rub routes. Um, you can call it a pick, but we, we run a lot of rub routes to get receivers open in space. That's just kind of what we do. We don't necessarily always run a bunch of deep routes, but you got to hit them because this is not going to be a secondary that's going to allow you to get away with just overthrowing the ball as much. They're going to be able to have the requisite speed to get to that ball, and they have the experience. And that was the other thing I mentioned against Jackson State, but that secondary is real young. And they lost their best players, whereas South Florida, their top DB is like a six-year corner, and he's good. So you can kind of start to see, like, as a corner, this is a great opportunity for you to put some decent film up there because whether you're covering Marvin Harrison Jr. or KDOT, a pick's a pick. And if you get a pick, that shows you can catch the ball. That's something that Fanny's going to have to look out for. Be careful about. Moose has got to be careful of the ball, but he's also got to relax. I, I think I do agree that first game of the season, family's there, all kind of stuff's going on. You know, try to be too perfect. And he's a perfectionist. Not great guy, though. Like I like Musa. But it's going to be interesting to see. And then, again, getting defensive line pressure on the quarterback.
We saw what it did against Jackson State. Go back and watch that USF and West Florida. Just watch the highlights. And you can start to see where when he gets uncomfortable, he makes mistakes. But he's also a quarterback that he's learning. Like He's learning the position. He's an athlete, though. You're not going to be able to. You're not be able. You're not going to be able to run man to man against them a whole game. Like I'm, I'm normally a huge proponent uh, of running that man defense, but in this case, you got to put a spy on this guy. Like if you do not put a spy on him, it's going to be a problem. And you can't go out there and throw a, a small spy on him. Quarterback's about six two, tall guy, rangy. He can run. You, you got to put one of your taller corners maybe a taller safety as a spy out there to keep up with this quarterback to shadow him. Because what you do notice, you got a little bit of that Michael Vick to him where he's reading through his progressions. And if it's not there, I'm gone. Like this kid is not holding the ball, standing in the pocket for 30 minutes, like a statue. It, it, he's not. And his stats show you that he threw for about 160 yards. He ran for 160 yards. So, and he's fast. So you can start to see, like, schematically, they're going to challenge you. This is definitely something that should fall into your wheelhouse, but it's something we naturally struggle with. Same struggles against mobile quarterbacks. It's just, it is what it is. It's something that we've been struggling with for years. But FAMU struggles against mobile quarterbacks, especially if they have an ounce in accuracy. And with this guy, with the defensive line, once he gets rattled, it, it is what it is. Honestly, especially considering his youth at quarterback, this is one of those games where at times I may blitz four and just keep a spy, the rest stay in coverage, and try to let him beat you with his arm because I'm not saying that he can't do it. But what I'm saying is the likelihood of a second-year quarterback being able to just ball out from the pocket and I believe he's a redshirt freshman, so it's not really like he played four games last year. So he played last year, but he didn't play a lot. But the likelihood of him being able to come in there and do what Shadur did in that OBC last season, slim and none. It's, I'm just saying. Like, and there's no slight on the kid. It's just we're gonna we're gonna be honest. Yeah, I know I try to keep it a buck with you. Like, I, I'm not gonna lie to you about that. Force this kid to beat you with his arm but also slow down the USF run. Make them one-dimensional. Make them into a team that has to pass the game, force turnovers. And if you can do that, you can squeeze out of this with a win, but you have to get them off the field. You have to win time possession. You got to win the turnover battle. And you also have to be able to remain disciplined. Penalties with a lead are going to be the reason that we look back and say we either won or lost this game. Like, because we can, we see it all the time where a team has a lead, somebody makes a stupid mistake, game's over. And that's how, that's how you get to where you need to be in this game. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, FAMU versus USF is going to be on Saturday. We'll definitely do our best to be there. Uh, we we got our stuff set up, most of our ducks in a row. So Saturday, hopefully we'll be there. Get to see our good brother from ONG Strike Zone. Look, we joined the little uh, pick'em pool. So hopefully we kick their butts in there respectfully. 
Um, but also, Famu was able to pull an upset. And I was on St. Clair's show a little earlier today. And if, so on Hallelujah 95 and Tallahassee, if you're listening. And the show's called Round One. And the, the question was, what happens if Willie Simmons is able to win this game? And I, I said it solidifies him and it's his, his place on the Mount Rushmore family coaches. There's really two family coaches that we all talk about. Jay Gaither, Billy Joe, and there's a third in Rudy Hubbard. To me, that's my family, Mount Rushmore. And every one of those coaches has a monumental or quintessential win that you can stick in their feather and say, like, he did that. Or something that they brought to the program that changed it forever. Uh, Jay Gaither, the win over the University of Tampa, definitely sticks out for those that are like your super historians. But him really being one of the foundations and his longevity at the football program, that's there. Rudy Hubbard wins the national championship. Billy Joe, Gulf Coast offense era. MEAC championships, NCAA playoff appearances. I mean, what, what else do you do you say about that? This is one of those games where if you can win it, it's something that should put you there. Now, is it what's important? The next game in front of you is the most important game. Hey, Miss Williams. But what's most important is continuing to focus on the next game so that you can get to the celebration bowl. That's that's it. Famous all in. I don't give a flying flip about the playoffs. If you were to ask me personally, do I want celebration bowl or playoffs? I always want the playoffs. Only reason I want celebration bowl is because of because of the money. Like it makes business sense. But as far as like like pure competition, I want playoffs. But I want celebration bowl because I want that bread. Like, I want family to get that million dollars. I'm just going to be real with you about that. And so, in this case, on this particular weekend, this is the one I did give family at L on. But I think it's I think it's close in that UCF debacle. And I'm glad Coach Simmons used that as an example. But I really do think family should score at least 17 points on this. I don't trust USF. Uh, again, another first-year head coach. Same thing I said about uh, TC. I hadn't seen it, so I didn't know what it was. Then once I saw it, I was like, I still think we match up real favorable. With USF, I, I, I haven't seen it. I watched a little bit of it, though. And from what I've seen, yo, offensively, they're fun. Defensively, I got questions. And it's not based on like personnel as much as how long till they get to a groove. Like, I don't think USF knows who they are as a team. And this is one of those games to me, especially God forbid or God benefit me, but <laughs> they lose this game. This is one of those games where you find yourself. Like, it's one of those things where a few years later, Kind of like when Florida State beat Alabama and Nick Saban was a coach. And then that next year, on to now, that program's been different. 
I think that could happen with that with that team in particular, where this is a game where USF goes against FAMU. Outcome was what it is, but after this, they kind of figure out and find what they what they have because they're playing against an FCS team that's built like an FBS team. They just got to stay hungry. I hate the term locked in, but they got to stay locked in. You got to be focused. There we go. But they got to win this game. Um, more so USF than FAMU. FAMU loses this game. Everything's still in front of you. USF loses this game. It's a lot of questions to be asked, especially when you start looking at the advantage of facilities, the investment in facilities. We're talking about a school that I think it's $300 million for a new stadium. And the state is asking questions. Same questions I asked. Like, all right, you got the balls to do it. Can you pay for it? And, I mean, their school's big, but that don't mean much. So it's just one of those games where they can't afford to lose it. And especially when you're looking about 100 miles down I-4, if that far, and seeing what UCF's doing, losing a game to a school like FAMU would not be – that wouldn't be the move. I'll say it like that. But it also would benefit Willie Simmons because what, – what did Fat Joe say? Yesterday's price is not today's price. This is the type of game that starts getting them M's behind your name and gets you in those conversations where you get some of that benefit of maybe not the prime effect, but the Willie effect of I've had success at smaller schools. What can I do at big schools? And the main Willie that I can point at for that is the Willie that went to Western Kentucky, coached the USF, and cashed that in at Florida State. Now, what he did at Florida State, we ain't going to talk about that. But that brother is still <laughs> – I think Florida State just stopped paying him. That brother was getting two checks, one from FAU, one from FSU, <laughs> and now he's with the Baltimore Ravens. So you can kind of start to see that's the trajectory of these type of things and these type of wins and having success. So it's going to be interesting to see y'all. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to do a, definitely do a, uh instant reaction. I don't know if we're going to do it there at the stadium or wait till I get back home. Um, but we're, we're definitely going to go post-game. Pre-game, we're going to see if we can catch my brothers in ONG Strike Zone. See where they at. You know, at least drop by, give them, some, give, them, give them a pound as we walk into the stadium. But it's going to be some fun to be had. And we're also going to come around here and talk about family opening the season up, see how we fared in volleyball, and also see what it's, you know, cross-country teams looking like. So good times to be had, though, y'all. Again, no band in Tampa. So don't get too mad. Don't get too upset. It's not the athletic department's fault. You can blame my AD all you want to. She don't pay for bands. Sorry. If you, if you don't believe me, go ask somebody who's informed. But I, I sat in the meetings, and uh, she said it a couple times. Somebody asked her like three times, is the band coming to Tampa? I don't know. That didn't come out of my budget. And so, But if you want to pay for them to come, you're more than welcome. She was nice about it, too. Um, so, anyways, though, y'all, look, HBCU Digital Network, this is home. 
home to her suit and the black techies. Also, obviously, home to the fans of the podcast. Definitely look forward to seeing you. Uh, instant reaction. Check the notifications. Like, share, and you know, subscribe on YouTube so you get notifications when we go live. Uh, but post game, we're gonna definitely try to do a little little something. You know, you know, talk hot about the game went highs, lows, all that good stuff. And then definitely Sunday, eight thirty, we're gonna be right back here talking about you know more about the game after you get a moment to cool off. I ain't gonna lie, sometimes it's reactions. I need that ride in the car <laughs> just so I'm not so upset. Uh, but again, thank y'all for listening. And as always, skinny fangs up. Yeah, baby, you know what time it is. Now let's get it started. Are you kidding me? Unreal. While our HBCUs are mostly known for academic rigor, community, they also know how to turn up. Dorothy, hey!